today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 399. Joe and Big Al explain when and how to claim Social Security survivor benefits and how earning income impacts your benefit if you collect Social Security before full retirement age. Plus, how much should you withdraw in retirement from tax-free, taxable, and tax-deferred accounts? Also, RMDs, deciding whether to keep a life insurance policy, and of course, Roth conversion strategies. Is the backdoor Roth better for long-term portfolio growth? If you've got money questions, visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Ask Joe and Big Al on air. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Now we got Lamb. Is that right? Yeah, or Lon. Lon? Lamb? L-A-M? Lon? Could be either. Ah, all right. Hi, I listen to your podcast and YouTube. I'm going to retire in 2024, and I'm 60. I'm eligible to claim at 60 because I'm a widow. I'm working still, and in two years, I want to retire, but I don't want to claim my Social Security first. I, don't I think the general yeah. thing here is should Len take Social Security survivor benefits before he retires? Or she retires. Yes. Sorry. She says she's a widow. So, yes. Could be. Yeah. Well, you, you don't take it if you're going to have to pay it back. There's there's no point. So so in other words, what, what's the amount? It's close to twenty thousand dollars. If you make twenty thousand, if you make more than twenty thousand dollars, you're probably not going to be taking that benefit because you just have to pay it back anyway. Yes. So then you wait till you retire. If you're making less than twenty grand, maybe maybe you could potentially. Yeah. So you're working for the uh, for two years, then you want to retire. Don't claim your survivor. Yeah, if you claim your survivor benefit and you still have earned income, it's they're, they're going to reduce the benefit, right? right? Or, or so. And the earlier you claim survivor, the the lower the benefit's going to be for life. So wait till you retire. That that's kind of a no brainer if, if that's the question. Jay from Floral City. Hmm. Never been there. No, nope. me neither. Oh, Jaybird. Not sure where it is. How can I find out? How can I find out if my Ex-husband has passed away. Okay. His bro says he passed September 5th, but no info proving his accident. Bro said he had family. Won't tell me where, how, and no obit published. Right. Talking code. Obituary. (laughs) Obituary. I like to call it an obit. (laughs) You read the obits? I... I don't very often. When I mean, when what what age do people start reading the old bits? I'm not there yet, so I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> do you read them? No, no. Um, I wish to file for in. Uh, wish to file to increase my social security if it's true. I was married 32 years. He chose another path, so divorce was what he wanted. I'm thinking information may tell me I'm still on bank accounts as he was not one to update things. And perhaps family feels I'll steal from him. Thanks for... I think that's what, supposed whatever, to be whatever, whatever you can help me with. Whatever you can help me with. It's Hestever. Hestever. <laughs> okay. Um, signed, Jaybird. Okay. No, Jaybird. Maybe uh, Kansas City? No, Jaybird, right? So it's like, all right. Ex-husband passed. What he went a different direction. Yeah, yeah. Probably wanted to find someone that could formulate a sentence. <laughs> That's possible. <laughs> Floral City appears to be in Florida. Oh, Florida. Okay. 
All right. So she's Jaybird's talking to the bro. Bro's yeah. not giving Jaybird any information. Yeah. It's like we don't want you to steal from the family, get more social security. So anyway, the rule is this though. If you've been married 10 years or more to an ex-spouse, you can claim on his or her benefit if it's better than your benefit. So, so that's valid, right? Right. Even if he hasn't passed, she could still claim on she his could still, benefit. She could still claim, but now it's now it's based on survivor, right? Instead of spousal, which is generally higher. So, but anyway, uh, the Social Security Administration normally gets your death gets death certificates from the various counties and states that prepare them. So usually they know. So I would start with calling Social Security. So your um, certificate of marriage and then certificate yeah, of divorce. Exactly. You got to show both of those and and probably original copies, certified copies. But they they would uh, Social Security would probably already know. Yeah, you could bypass the bro. You could. So just call Social Security and I think they'll tell you what to do. Yeah. You know, it's funny sometimes with an ex-spouse claiming benefit on the ex-spouse's record. Right. They think that they're, it's like taking money away from them. Yeah, that's it's true. not. It's not. It's it's a number basically to, to formulate what the ex-spouse's benefit's going to be. That's right. all it is. It's not like they're. The, the ex-spouse loses benefit. They right. have to share his benefit with the ex-spouse. Yeah, there's no sharing. It just is what it is. So the family, the the uh, the family of your ex-husband doesn't. There's no detriment. Right. But sometimes we get people saying, "When when I die, I don't want my ex-spouse getting the benefit." Yeah. And, but that's sorry, it's not in your hands. You mean my ex-spouse can claim on my benefit? <laughs> what does that mean for me? Nothing. Nothing. Don't or, worry about it. Yeah. So, Plus, yep. you're, you're dead anyway. So, yeah, don't lose sleep over it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Ken, you're right, Ken. I just watched your webinar on Social Security, and it was excellent and very informative. Uh, for those of you taking score, we do webinars here at Peer Financial. Go to peerfinancial.com. Uh, my question is, if a person collects before his full retirement age and earns over $100 or $18,000 limit, I understand about paying $1 back for every $2, but after the year, does one Social Security amount get recalculated higher based on the amount that was paid back? Thanks, Ken. Yes, it's calculated monthly, Ken. So let's say if you're making, if you claimed your benefit early and you make more than the limit that allows you um, if you're over the the earnings threshold, I should say, right? That sounds a little bit more professional. Okay. And so that's $18,000. So every dollar or every $2 over that limit, they take a dollar back from your social security benefit. The social security benefit or the administration doesn't know you're making that income yet though. They won't know until you file your tax return. Perfect. Right. So next April, when you file your tax return, social security gets notified and says, Ken, what the hell were you doing? Don't you know the rules? You were making too much money, so we got to take some back. So that the, 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 let's say you're still claiming the benefit, and so you're expecting a paycheck from Social Security. You're not going to receive one because they're going to get paid back every dollar that they paid out that they shouldn't have. But what they do is then they assume that you never claimed it to begin with. Right. And so once that procedure is done, then autom- automatically gets recalculated to the higher amount. Yeah, so you end up in the same spot essentially. You you got you got the money, but then it goes back. Yeah, you pay it back, and then you get it back, but you get it paid out over your lifetime. Right, but you don't you don't actually you don't have to write a check. No, it's just your benefits are reduced, and, and when it's fully reduced, they recalculate all this, and I actually calculate every month based upon what was paid back that month. Okay, well, hopefully that helps, Ken. 
If you'd like to watch the social security webinar that Ken was talking about, you can find the replay in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com, along with the companion social security handbook. Also, sign up for Medicare Made Clear, a free webinar coming up on October 26th, and you can download our brand new Medicare checkup guide for free. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to access all the free financial resources, the episode transcript, and to share YMYW and the resources so you can help us grow the show. Uh, Joe writes in from Ventura, California. Hey, Joe, Al, I really enjoy your podcast, Insights and Humor, and wanted to ask a spitball question. All right, Joe. First, to start off, I drive a 2017 Hyundai Elantra. And then what is, is Aaron? You doing something with the screen there, bud? You multitasking? Yeah, he's not paying attention. It's got okay. It. We got it. It's, something <laughs> keeps flashing on the TV. <laughs> we lose Andy for yes. a second. Uh, my favorite drink is Lagunitas IPA. A lot of people like the Lagunitas. Yeah, big it's time. Very, yeah, a little popular choice. I'm 50 and plan to retire in 12 years. When I estimate my accounts at my goal retirement age of 62, using an annual interest rate of 6% in yearly maximum contributions to the Roth. I have these numbers. Roth, 1.5 million. Traditional 1.5 million. Taxable savings, 200,000. Here's the question. What, in what proportion do you usually recommend drawing down from these accounts once you hit retirement? Many traditional professionals I looked up recommend withdrawing first from taxable accounts then tax-deferred accounts, and finally Roth accounts where withdrawals are tax-free. They write that the goal is to allow tax-deferred assets to grow longer and faster. However, a recent Fidelity post shared an example and data that if you draw from all three accounts, taxable savings, Roth traditional, at the start of retirement, you will lower your overall tax amount over the life of the portfolio for a net reduction in total taxes on paid income in retirement. What do you usually recommend doing when retirement hits? Do you agree with drawing from all three accounts? I agree that the Roth is valuable, so I'd hesitate to lower the amount by taking withdrawals from it in my 60s, but it makes sense in the big picture. I can see the point. Thanks so much. I look forward to your podcast every week during my commute to work. Um, has she ever listened to the podcast, I guess, before this? Because, yes, she's right on track. Yeah. You, you, you heard it from Fidelity versus us. Yeah, That's well, what we talk about every week. Fidelity is right. So here, here's how to think about it, which is you do this based upon your tax bracket. And you look at your future, your current tax bracket, future tax brackets, what tax bracket are you going to be in? The last thing you want to do is, is pull it out of, well, first of all, so they recommend the taxable savings. You only have a couple hundred thousand. That's kind of more for emergency. But you would you would pull it. And then, the, in, then in their order, you take it out of the traditional. Well, that's that's not bad, except if if it puts you in a lot higher bracket, you just need to you need to consider this as you're pulling money out. Now, when Social Security hits and other things, it may change, or if your spending changes, you may change the allocation. But you got to think about your tax rates each and every year. So at sixty two, it's going to depend on <clears throat> well, how much money that you want to live off of, Joe. So. If it's fifty thousand or a hundred thousand, you're you're probably going to have a different combination of what what your distribution plan looks like. Yeah, let's say it's fifty thousand. You'd probably pull it from the retirement accounts first because you'd keep that, yourself in the twelve percent tax right. bracket. Yeah, exactly. So that keeps you in the low bracket. On the other hand, if you want one hundred fifty thousand, it might be totally different. Yeah, then you would want a combination of all three. 
So it's looking at your taxable income each year and then filling up your taxable income to the lowest bracket possible. And if you and if you need more income, then that's when you would grab from the taxable account or tax-free because all of that's tax-free dollars. So instead of pulling... So the, the last thing you want to do is drain your liquidity. And this is what most advisors preach, right? It's like, okay, keep deferring, 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 deferring until you absolutely have to take the money out. Well, then you're going to defer those dollars when you're in very low tax brackets, when you either should be spending them or converting them, right? So if I'm deferring my retirement accounts and not taking any money because I don't want to pay the tax, I'm just going to pay a hell of a lot more tax later. Right. So it's looking at the tax bracket each year, and it's like either take the money and spend it or take the money and convert it into your Roth IRA and pay the tax at you know the 10 and 12% tax bracket. Yeah, completely agree. And 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 if you want to take out a lot more, I mean you've got a lot, you'll have a lot of savings. So so you you'll be able to, but it's just a matter of looking at the tax brackets and coming up with a sensible plan. So Joe, in your particular case, you you'll have roughly equal between traditional and Roth. We don't see that very often. Very good. That's a, that's a really good allocation. So you, you basically will be able to minimize taxes over the rest of your life if you do this properly. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Sam from Los Angeles, uh, a little neighbor of Joe at Ventura. Hi, Joe and Al. Discovered your podcast. And it's taught me so much. Yeah. This makes me feel so good now. <laughs> what do you think we taught Sam? And what is all these people just finally discovering us? That's What's a good question. I was, I was, I was wondering about that. I would like it if the people that email us, if you would tell us how you discovered the show, so that we can actually do more of that. It's finally. It's like after fifteen years, after 15 it's finally years. catching up. <laughs> it's like yeah, I just discovered this, and now I'm binging. I am making the effort to keyword all of our information so that people can find the things that they're looking for. So maybe that's helping. Mm. Maybe so. Is that when you're on Google Maps and then you're looking at people? <laughs> no. Email address. And way more sophisticated than that. I've moved way beyond email addresses and Google Maps. Got it. All right. Um, Sam. All right. Just discovered the podcast. Taught me so much. Okay. I would like to get both of your opinion on the hypothetical outcome of a Bill headed to Senate, which will move the age of RMDs back to age 75, starting in 2033. I'm 45 years old. Sam, you're 45 years old, and you're thinking about RMDs? Never too early to prepare. <laughs> My God. 30 years out. <laughs> 30 years. You know, I'm really... <laughs> I'm really worried about this. I, got, I keep my eye on this bill <laughs> heading to the Senate. It's <laughs> a good point. I'm 45 years old. I currently have $120,000 in my Roth and $400,000 in my tax deferred account. If this bill passes, will this be a game changer for those like me retired after this time? If I don't have until age 79 to pay RMDs, 75. I need or less. Did I say that wrong? 75. You said 79. If I don't have until age 75 to pay RMD, will I need to worry less about growing tax-deferred traditional IRA? Will this change your recommendation on converting or contributing to Roth accounts? Or is this a small detail in the overall life of a portfolio? All right, Sam. I don't think what so he thinks this is a game changer. Yeah, to go from 72 to 75 for a required minimum distribution. Does that completely change your Roth strategy? No. No, not even slightly. Not even a little bit. I don't care if it's 95 RMD. You you, you want to get more money to the Roth so you get the tax-free growth, not only for yourself, 
but maybe your spouse, if you outlive your spouse or your children, or if you don't have kids, other beneficiaries, the Roth is the best uh, a- asset to pass to the next generation. It's also the best asset for you because all that growth is tax-free. But I want to go back to Joe's question too. It's like the reason why you want to have Roth is is diversification from a tax perspective. And you can control your taxes control later. Control is the key component yeah. here, right? It's not about RMDs. It's not about any of that BS. It's about control your taxes when you need the money. And when do you need the money the most? When you're older, because you're not working and you have to live off the savings that you have. And if you can reduce your tax bill from those savings, the money lasts that much longer. Okay, moving on. We got, hello, Joe, Big Alan, Andy. First of all, congratulations to Lauren, Amazon winner. That was from the podcast survey. (laughs) Okay. So first of all, congratulations to Lauren, Amazon winner. Thanks her for bringing up the concern to suggest your money or wealth to put back transcript. Did we take it away? For a little while there, my mother was um, out of action because she was nursing a broken arm. And so we did not have transcripts for a little while, but now they are all back. And so Lauren had actually emailed us and said, hey, I missed the transcripts. She said that in the podcast survey, and I let her know Uh, transcripts are back. Okay, very cool. All right. All right, good. Okay, because English is my second language. It is easier for me to read than to listen. Uh, Or read and listen. Oh, to read and, oh, okay. Like, got it. Read along. Because you guys are hard to follow at times. <laughs> yeah, it goes kind of fast. I was just in Italy trying to follow because I've studied a little bit of Italian and I could do like a word at a time in a very simple sentence. But when you get the whole thing, it's all sounds like one word. And actually to be able to read along with it, because we did a couple movies for about 10 minutes. So we got bored with subtitles and I, I could understand that a little bit better. Got it. Love the show. I've been a loyal listener for many years. Learn new information uh, regarding inherited IRA. My husband passed six years ago before his 50th birthday. Yeah. Uh, my agent didn't offer me to roll over his 401k to my IRA, but created an inherited IRA. Now I have to take RMDs every year. I'm 57. I Well, if it's your husband, you can still, t- there's still time to, to put it in your own IRA. Yes. Right. So that's a good point. So he passed away uh, six years ago. It's, it's, if you don't do anything, it's an inherited, it's a beneficiary IRA is what it is, but mm-hmm. you can change anytime. You don't have to do this in the first year. You could do it 20 years later, put it in your own IRA account. <clears throat> then you don't have to take any uh, uh, RMDs until age 72. Um, I'm, f- but I don't know why you would be taking an RMD. I'm 57. I'm in the 24% tax rate. Is there any way I can roll over this inherited IRA to my IRA now and do the in Roth conversions? Thank you. Best regards. Your money or wealth fan. Yes. Okay. Couple of things here. Um, first of all, congratulations to Lauren, Amazon winner. Um, appreciate you winning that $25 gift card. <laughs> we appreciate her giving us her feedback on the podcast. Okay, so as a spouse again, if a spouse dies and you keep it in the spouse's name, right? So there is no RMD. There is an RMD that you would have to take when the deceased spouse would have turned age 72. He died at 50. And six years ago, six years ago. So, so she's, she kept it in the husband's name and she thought that she had to, because her agent 
insurance agent or whatever said that she's got to take an RMD. No, you do not have to take an RMD. So you could keep it in the husband's name as you, the beneficial owner, and not take any money from the account, but you can't convert an inherited IRA. So you would have to move it into your own and do the conversion there. But you don't have to take the RMD until he would have turned age 72. And in this case, you you keep it in your your husband's uh, IRA, in husband's name, if you need access to the funds because you're not yet 59 and a half. Yeah, but I don't think she does. She's in the 24% tax right, rate. Exactly. She's so, killing it. So the, yeah. So, so the point is you don't need the money. So just put it in your own name. Yeah. And, and then do and, conversions if you want yeah, to. And you can do that anytime. You know, six years ago, you, you can do it then. You could do it now, whatever. All right. I'm glad you wrote in. You should have wrote in a couple, uh, couple of years ago when he died. So, but she's been a loyal listener for quite some time. Yeah. We probably didn't talk about inherited IRAs for a while. It not, seems like everyone a... wants to talk about Roths. Now yeah. today, everyone wants to talk about death. <laughs> We've gotten a lot of that, haven't we? <sighs> we got Dave writes in from Olympia, Washington. At what age can I start Roth IRA for my daughter? And what type, aggressive, mod, etc. do you suggest? Well, we don't suggest anything here, David. We'd spitball. Yeah, we'll spit on it, but we won't <laughs> advise anything. She's 12. I'm a much older parent. You want to share, and I want to start her in the right direction. College is probably already, since I'm retired military and 100% disabled. Thank you, Dave. College is provided already. Provided. Yeah. What did I say? College is probably already. Yeah, I didn't think that sounded right. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't. I knew something was off there. Uh, Provided already. All right. So Dave's little older parent wants to start in the right direction. She's 12 years old. I like the thinking. Okay. Okay. Your daughter, Dave, needs to have earned income. So 12-year-old, do you think she's working? I don't think so. I don't think so either. She could cut the grass? Would that count? Not really. Well, not really, because she'd have to... Recorded on Schedule C, and she's not going to probably do that. Yeah, Got start it. a business <laughs> at age 12. Yeah, daughter lawn mowing service. Um, so she needs to, if she's working, then you can start a Roth IRA for her. Yeah, like let, let's say she turns 16, for example, and she earns a couple thousand dollars in her job. Okay, then she can do a $2,000 Roth IRA. So that's the point where you can start funding this. And you can fund it with your own money. It doesn't have to be with her money. She just has to have earned income. All right. Hope that helps, Dave. Good luck with that. YMYW Gents, this one starts out as, thank you for covering my question in today's episode. Okay. Well, it's not today's episode, but. When he wrote it, it was. He just heard it. I have a different perspective to offer, which might influence your spitball. In your spitball today, you guys spoke a lot about how the tax I would pay doing a Roth conversion is equal to the tax I've already paid on the dollars I would have used on the backdoor Roth. I understand that completely. But my motivation for pondering a backdoor Roth is not about taxes. My motivation for doing a backdoor Roth is to introduce new dollars into my retirement portfolio to see compounding growth until I reach retirement in 20 plus years rather than those dollars sitting in a savings account. I think the notion that a Roth conversion and a backdoor Roth are same, same makes sense from a tax perspective, but not from a long-term growth perspective. Okay. Okay. 
I agree with yeah. a thousand percent. After doing a Roth conversion, there would be no increase to my overall retirement portfolio balance like there would be after doing a backdoor Roth in introducing new dollars into the portfolio. Surely it's better to look at a strategy that would make my overall portfolio balance higher, right? Does this change your spitball? Steven. This was Steven in Steaming Hot, Texas, by the way. I think he missed my point. I think so, too. So try to make it again. <laughs> um, Stephen, I, I went on a tangent, I think, is what happened when we were answering your question. Right. Because we get so many damn backdoor Roth questions, <laughs> and it was probably the fifth one that I had to answer that yeah, afternoon. It, we did have an episode where it was one after another. Same question. And so I might have, and, and I'm sorry I, if you took it that I was kind of, I was combining this rant into the spitball. <laughs> I agree 100% with what he's saying. Yes, I would much rather have money into a Roth than a non-qualified brokerage account. Right. 100%. And I get what he's saying there too, is that, okay, well, I'm taking my money from the non-qualified brokerage account and I'm putting it into an IRA and I'm converting it and I'm not paying any tax. And now that money's going to compound for me tax-free forever. Love it. Absolutely. 100,000% agree. My point was, is that a backdoor Roth that everyone gets so souped up and hyped up about it's kind of the same as if I had an IRA that I never paid tax on and I converted it and now I have compound tax-free growth. Some people don't do conversions uh, is what I think my point was trying to be, if I can remember when, when we did this. Right. But I've, I've ranted about this a million times. So I, I, if it wasn't his, it was probably someone else's is that someone has money to convert. They won't convert, but they will do a backdoor Roth conversion. To me, that makes no sense. Yeah. Because, Tax-wise, it's same, same. Right. As long as you're in the same bracket, like we talked about in episode, whatever it was. Exactly. <laughs> and every other episode. <laughs> so, yes, I think we're all on the same page and we're on the same perspective that tax-free growth is a lot better than taxable growth. Yeah. So so I, I may have made this point. I don't remember, but this is how I would think about it also, which is if you have a lot of money in an IRA, for example, right? And when you convert that, right? And let's just say you're in a 25% bracket tax bracket, just to make it super simple, right? Even though there is no 25% tax bracket. Correct. Because <laughs> I want simple math, right? So a $6,000 conversion, uh, I mean, a $24,000 conversion is going to cost you $6,000 to pay for the tax. So, so then to me, the question is, would I rather put $6,000 into an IRA and convert it and get an extra $6,000 in my overall retirement? Or would I rather invest that $6,000 and get $24,000 from my IRA into a Roth? I think I'd rather do the latter. But that, that I think I probably made that point too. So if, if I understand you correctly, is that if you converted $24,000, it's going to cost me $6,000 in taxes. That's right. So does it make more sense to convert $24,000, have that $24,000 compound tax-free into a Roth, but then take the $6,000 that I was going to put into the Roth IRA and send that check to the IRS to do the conversion? That's what I would do. I would do that too, because that's called leverage. Right, because now it's four to one. Yes. Love it. All right. John writes in from uh, Connecticut. Hey, Joe, Big Al, Andy. Found your amazing podcast a few months ago, and I listen every day on my way to dental school. Every day? 
John. Well, we got 400 episodes. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> well, in dental school might only be like two miles down the road. So he's got I mean, to listen guess, little bits at a time. Sure. Would you rather listen to this show or go to the dentist? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Let he's doing think. both. Yeah. Dude, he's doing both. Right. He's. Oh, how about you? I don't, probably I, that's a tough call. Yeah, I'm going to the dentist tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, after you're done, you can tell me which is worse. Yeah, I'll be, I won't be listening to the show. <laughs> you should listen to the show on the way there and on the way back, and then you tell me which was worse. <laughs> Got it. Uh, my question is on behalf of my mom. Okay, she's 66. We uh, recently widowed, and I'm worried about her tax liabilities going into retirement. Uh, she makes about 165 thousand dollars a year and plans on working to age 70. I had her start collecting my father's Social Security survivor benefit now that she is at full retirement age. She maxes out her traditional 401k, a backdoor Roth IRA, and contributes some of the mega backdoor Roth, as I suggested. Oh, okay. Look at John, look at the big brain on John. <laughs> Instead of going to dental school, why don't you get He's your... been listening to our show. Wow. Got the big backdoor survivor benefits. And the mega? Mega. I haven't really talked about that for The a while. Megatron? Um, there's six hundred thousand dollars in traditional 401ks and another three hundred fifty thousand in brokerage with an um substantial amount in Roth. Uh, between Social Security and two private pensions, her starting retirement expenses of ninety five thousand dollars at seventy will be completely covered by them and some. I know it's your favorite topic, but what do you think about doing some Roth conversions now to fill out her? Now much smaller, 24% tax bracket. Retiring at 70 does not leave a lot of room before RMDs kick in, and I'm worried about Irma and high tax rates later in life for her. Uh, thank you all for all you do. My mom drives 2015 GMC Yukon. She's kind of like a badass. <laughs> Look at what she drinks. Yeah, and uh, has uh, been known to drink an espresso martini. All right. Or two while at the book club. Espresso <laughs> and martini. So you're doing coffee and martini. Wow. Yeah. Espresso martini. It's a coffee yeah. liqueur. And yeah. Vodka. I think. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. Um, so she's got 600 grand in a 401k plan. She's 66 years old. She's fully funding it. She doesn't need any of it. She's going to retire at age 70. Um RMD is going to happen at 72. Sure. The, so her RMDs are probably going to be around 40,000 bucks. And if her pension and two pensions and social security are already going to put her in the 24% tax bracket. Yep. Then yeah, you convert to the top of the 24 for sure. You, you do uh, because that will become 25 or even 28. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what you do. And there's, there's, she's got plenty of money to pay the tax in the brokerage account. So that's exactly what I would do in 2026. We get the, the old tax rates, which are higher. So I think now's the time to act probably. Yeah. And John's going to be a dentist when he inherits this and he's going to be mega bucks. So he right. wants, so he Roth. wants the Roth. Yeah. He, he wants the Roth. Yeah, but uh, that's, he's, that's he's no dummy. Right. But that's going to be a while. She's only 70. Yeah, she's a little young. She's 66. Oh, 66. Yeah, 66. Yeah. Right. What is quantitative tightening and what does it mean for investors? What's going on with bonds in this unusual year? Both of these are our latest blog posts and they are linked in the podcast show notes. So to read them, just click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also linked in the show notes. We post daily videos of Joe and Big Al answering your money questions from the podcast. Wherever you want to watch or listen, YMYW is there. We're going to go to Patrick and Jackie from 
Uh, you want a question that's not about death? Yeah. East well, Islip. Oh, this is <laughs> let's, our, let's get our, that our, over. our friends from East Islip. Yes. Yeah. Islip. Islipo. So it, apparently it's Islip. Islip. Yeah. East Islip. <laughs> Dear Andy, Joe, and Al. Yo, what up? <laughs> What's up, Islip? First, you help us during the episode 291 with an inherited IRA, but butchered the names of our town. When I step on ice, I slip. We live in East I Slip, I slip. New there York. I still drive that black Honda Civic, and my better half still drives the suburb uh, Subaru Outback. Uh, we enjoy good beers from our local breweries. And this week, we're going to we're going with little Southern Tier pumpkin beer mixed with a stout. <laughs> and you get a pumpkin stout. Ever had pumpkin stout? No. Tis the Maybe. season. Oh, if not, a good old fashioned will do. Secondly, and to the point, we need you to settle a conversation we're having. Should we cancel our life insurance? Uh, all right. I'm 55 and retired. I have a pension of $80,000 a year, which is fully transferable to my wife upon my passing. We have no debt, no mortgage or car payments, etc. Two of our three kids are done with college, while the third is a senior, and we have all her remaining college funds sitting in cash. My wife is 53, still working and plans to do so until age 62. She makes $30,000 a year, and we have a small pension. We, collect, uh, we plan to collect Social Security at age 62 and use those monies to feed our travel addiction, Hawaii and Italy. Sounds like Big Al. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly where I've been recently. Uh, Traveling with Patrick and Jackie. Well, furthermore, we have about $800,000 in various 403Bs, Roth IRAs, uh, brokerage accounts, I-bonds, et cetera. Um, I have a $750,000 term policy for $1,400 a year, which is about to go up as I'm turning 56 soon. My wife has a term policy of $250,000 at $400 a year. We can hold these until age 80. Should we, A, cancel all life insurance policies? B, cancel mine and continue paying for my wife's. C, continue paying for both. During episode 291, God, that was a good one, Al. <laughs> a long it. time ago. Barely remember that oh, one. Oh, man. You were, God, I just remember 291. You were <laughs> so good. Uh, Big Al came down on my wife's side, and that's the way we went. I never heard the end of it. <laughs> Peace, love, and Jerry Garcia. Little Pat, drinking Jackie. Yeah. Um, so you were on Jackie's side, apparently. Okay, so I don't remember the question, but well, yeah, I slipped on. I remember, remember, I remember, I, I remember East I slipped. Yep, me too. All right, so fifty six, fifty two. The he's paying fourteen hundred dollars, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars term policy, two hundred fifty thousand, four hundred dollars a year. There, um, I'm guessing if I were a betting man, is that Jackie does not want our friend Patrick here to cancel his life insurance. <laughs> that could be. I'm just guessing. Yeah. And I'm thinking, he's like, yeah, I think we should cancel. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't need it. The, the, we get more travel money. The yeah, 1400 we got $1,400 a year. Yeah. We, we, and plus, it's a, about to go up. Yeah, it's going to be more expensive. Right. You know, we got the kids paid for. We got no debt. You know, we're living the life. And he's, I slip. Right. And, um, and, and yeah, we could use this, you know, this is beer money. This is, you know, a couple more little old fashions. And she's like, you know what? No, I don't, I don't think so. 
<laughs> I'm guessing. That could be. Um, $750,000 is a lot of money that could make a big difference. And I think Pat's like, you know what? If, if I die and she gets that, she's going to have a lot more fun without me. <laughs> True. I say um, it's cheap. It's good de- death benefits. I'm for keeping the insurance at least until the kid's totally out of school. Um, that you have a couple of extra bucks in savings as you get closer to retirement. Um, you're too young. And if, if something were to ha- happen prematurely, um, that would leave Jackie or you, Patrick. I mean, think about it. If God forbid, right. If someone dies 55, right. The, 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 the surviving spouse has another 40 years of retirement. Yeah. And that, that would make a difference. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, are they going to continue? I mean, keep, I, I'm voting, keep the, insur- the, the, the term policies. What's, yeah. What, what are you, what, where are you at? I, I would probably do the same. I mean, I, I still have a term policy on myself oh. and, and I, I got a 15 year policy when I was 53. Wow. So it goes to 68. Well, and, next year. Uh, <laughs> sooner than I think <laughs> not next year, but not that far. <laughs> but anyway, um, I still have it. And, um, you know, it, it, when I got it, I really needed it. I, I really did. I don't necessarily need it anymore, but it's, it's not that expensive. I got it. I'm in great health and still in good health and hopefully we'll never need it. But yeah, yeah I think, I think for what you're paying and it's a term policy, which we like better than permanent policies. Um, I think that gives you just a little more insurance until you get a little bit older. Yeah. Right. He's turning 56 soon. I mean, it, if it if it recasts at fifty six and it, it goes like to five thousand yeah, bucks, well that's different. Right? Well, yeah, uh, but fourteen hundred bucks, you know, hundred bucks a month or a little bit more than that for uh, yeah, um, for, for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars of of death it, benefit. It, I mean, if you think about it, like so so let's say let's say it doesn't change just just because it's easy math, right? So fourteen hundred dollars a year, so ten years, it's fourteen thousand for a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar benefit if you need it. Right, Th- that's pretty cheap. Yeah, dirt cheap. Um, in the family, we'll need it. Wait till the kid gets out of school because when they get out of school, right, they go come back home. Yeah, you, you're not that, done. Yeah, it. oh, you, hey, <laughs> dad, mom, can I get this? Um, like, what do I know though? You will. Yeah. What's the difference between East Coast, Midwest, and West Coast? Perspective on one's financial plan. Yeah. What is the difference? <laughs> well, one's on the east, one's on the west, one's in the middle. <laughs> It's it's the same idea. Financial planning is the same no matter what. I, I think the only difference I would say is the Midwest tends to be less expensive than East Coast and West Coast. So maybe your dollars can stretch a little bit further because you got lower cost of living. But outside of that, there's really no difference in the planning. This is the oddest question I think we've got. What's was, the difference? Between- I was interested to see how you guys were going to answer this one. What's the difference between the East Coast and West Coast? Well, well, I mean, right. maybe it's a, a, a state of mind kind of thing. I mean, New Yorkers and Californians tend got... to have a different kind of. Yeah. I don't know. You got... But how does that change your financial plan? Not Biggie sure. Versus Snoop Dogg. <laughs> wow. West, West, Coast, West Coast plans are more laid back. East Coast. Yeah, I don't know. A little bit more hyper. Yeah. All right. That's it for us. We got to go. Uh, thanks for joining. Go to yourmoneywealth.com. Click on Ask Joe now. We'll answer your questions. We'll see you again next week. 
Joe's drink machine, and life as a mid-40s father of a one-year-old in the derails at the end of the episode, so stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment at a date and time convenient for you, no matter where you are in the country. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Speaking of old fashions, so I bought a drink machine, Alan. A drink machine? Yeah. Make margaritas? It, it or drinks, anything it, you want. Anything you want. It's, um, I don't drink coffee, but what's that coffee machine that you oh, put in the barista? Keurig? Keurig? Yeah. Keurig? Yeah. Yep. Right? You put in the little. Yeah. The you want thing. some different flavors or something? Yeah. yeah. Right? right. Right. Yeah. This is this for booze. Got it. So you can oh. make old fashions. Okay. You can make um, margaritas. Got it. So you just put in, like, there's these things where you put the booze in. So you want to put whiskey in one, you put Got vodka it. in the other, you put Got it. tequila and what? Yeah. Long Island, if you so, want a Long Island, you just push a button and... You become a bigger drinker since you got that. Um, I've used it once. And I think I'm I'm done with it. <laughs> I'm just gonna stick with Bill Coors Light. What That's did you safer, make with it? Oh, I was having old fashioned whiskey sours, and I was like, "Oh, these are good. Let's try a margarita." Oh, okay, so you didn't just use Let's it go once. Long Island. You used it multiple times in one session. Oh, is I wanted. I mean, we had all these different flavors. I had to try them all. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, my, didn't want to go to waste. Oh my god, my golf game was not in rare form the next morning <laughs> at seven a.m. I'll tell you that. Right. So yeah, I think we're going to put that on the shelf. If yeah. anyone's interested in a drink machine, just put that on. Well, for your next party. Put that on eBay. Just put it in the garage. Well, that's where I have keep my, my Oh, that's where, the bird, <laughs> that's, that's where the booth that's, is. That's, that's my where, man That's kid. where your bar is. Yeah. Got it. So I go in the garage and, you know, I, yeah. I can't put it there. I got to put it in like the kitchen where I never yeah. go. the kids' room. <laughs> the kids' room. <laughs> <laughs> I got a one-year-old. <laughs> In my mid forties with a you're one year old. You're gonna Look be me. working until eighty. <laughs> oh my god! Like I was just thinking about, it. I'm gonna be like eighty five going to like high school football games. Wait, you realize that after a year of having a baby? <laughs> You might have wanted yeah. to think about that. About that yeah, beforehand. I thought it was, I was like, hey, look at this little guy. This is fun. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God. This is bad. Yeah. I'm going to be so old. <laughs> like, he's going to have like girlfriends come over and they'll be like, why is your great grandfather? <laughs> why are you living with your grand- grandparents? <laughs> like, damn it. I got to like just get super shaved. You better stay in oh, shape. Oh, man. I'm just going to just get ripped. Definitely need to get rid of that drink machine. Oh, yeah, the drink machine's got to go. It's just going to be like berries and <laughs> green juice. <laughs> just switch over to my diet. Yeah, just veggies and, and weird salads. Yeah, yeah it's going to be it's gonna be interesting, you know? I, now you start thinking about it, like because he's getting a little bit of a personality. He's walking around, yeah. and I'm like, before, it's like, he, he's, like he's in a crib, you know? Yeah, right. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, this is my little guy here. Right. This is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, all and right. Then you start doing the math. And then I'm like, okay, well, when are we going to be playing? golf together has he learned how to say roth conversion yet 
pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> pretty close. Of course, right. like, that's his first word. <laughs> right, right. Jeez. So, no, I'm kidding. <laughs>